He who is not with me is against me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat> not long ago, I saw a dumb bumper sticker that said, No Gods, No Masters. And that's a program of life that doesn't actually last very long since if we choose, we all worship something and if we choose not to worship somebody else, our self-worship ends up disappointing us after a couple of minutes. And so we all end up worshiping something and our Lord tells us, if you're not with me, you're against me. And so there's no spiritual Switzerland. There's no new, neutral territory. We're either with Christ or against him. So this isn't just one choice that we make. It's something that is renewed over and over. And that is our program of life, this habitual renewal of the choice for Christ. In the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our temptations, in the midst of things that don't seem to be going our way, those aren't problems, they're just situations. They're the context in which we make this offering of selves. We began Lent with the first Sunday with our Lord spurning the devil and whatever it was he had to poffer, sends him away. And now we see this other scene that happened in the, the desert, right? For the Jews, you know, the desert and the ocean were the place of death and the devil. And so now we're, he's in the city and here a man is brought to him, at least in Matthew's gospel that said this man was brought to him. We heard in the Latin, oblatus, a, he was, he was offered up to him. So really a, a powerful word because it's not just the physical act of carrying somebody, it is that, but it's much more. And in fact, it's, it's cultic language. You know, whenever I would complain, and my dad, you know, I'd complain as a kid, my dad would say, why don't you offer it up? And so that's what it is. It's offering up. And we see this verb repeated. I brought that up to him later in life. Go, do you remember the times you'd always say, why don't you quit whining and offer up for the souls in purgatory? He says, I wouldn't have said that. And I go, well, you did. Well, there's a lot to that. That's actually a part of our program of life. This is what it means to follow Christ. This man is brought to Christ, offered to him, and this is the verb we see in cultic language in Acts of the Apostles, we see it in Hebrews, we see it in Matthew in several places. We also see it um, as the verb for all of these sick, lame, and in this case the possessed man, offered up to Christ. They're brought to him, not just physical transport, there's much more going on, which is this offering in faith. You have the solution. Better said, you are the solution. Paul is, is very fond, well, that's a dumb word. He, he's, he's attached in a healthy way to this word offering, oblation, and he uses it in repeated places. In fact, there's a, uh, in, in Romans 6, he, he says he makes an offering of the Gentiles to God the Father. This offering of the Gentiles is not the Gentiles' offering. It's Paul taking them, the Gentiles, and offering them to the Father, much like this consecration of Russia. It's an offering of it. And so this is our task. In Matthew's Gospel, this possessed man 
is not just mute and possessed, he's also blind. And so we see this threefold miracle of the restoration of speech, sight, and then deliverance. When he is offered to our Lord in faith, beautiful things happen. Normally, the victim that is offered in the sacrifices of the temple, it's an unblemished lamb, right? It's a spotless lamb without defects. That was one of Christ's criticisms that these wounded animals were the offering to save because they, they couldn't sell the ones that were, were healthy. Uh, they, they, didn't want to, they didn't want to sacrifice the ones that were healthy. And so we, they were supposed to be perfect offerings. That's why the host, the bread of the, of the host, of the, the altar bread has to be white, right? It's a symbol of this unblemished lamb. Well, this is a man who is in troubles, not necessarily moral troubles, he's possessed. And we have to understand, too, that there is a, an abyss between being possessed and being sinful, being in a state of sin. It's infinitely worse to commit a sin than it is to be possessed. I wish Hollywood would focus on the one that really matters, of why do people get that way, and what is it that most compromises our souls, and that's sin. The devil can't enter a soul. The most he can do is enter a body and tempt. That's all he can do. Our will is in our hands. What we choose to do, whom we choose to serve, that's our choice. And so, Paul therefore exerts the Romans and says, Make an offering of yourselves, of your members, before you offered your members to sin and iniquity and purity and now offer them to God. So notice what he's saying, that that which was the occasion of sin now is going to be the occasion of sanctification, of holiness, of salvation. For those who love Christ, temptation isn't a problem. Temptation is an occasion to renew one's offering of self. Crosses, difficulties, grief, all sorts of things that we'd never choose for ourselves. These are not problems for one who loves Christ, one who is attached to Christ. If we have enlisted in Christ's army, if we carry his banner, then we count the stripes that he bore as an honor and a privilege to suffer something for him. Our temptations then become the occasion in which we turn to him and say, I love you infinitely more than this passing temptation. And therefore, the temptation itself is part of the offering. This is what Paul is talking about, saying offering your members to Christ. That's our passions, it's our memories passing things that come in, dumb thoughts that come into our mind, into our heart, disordered desires that we give to Him and all of a sudden they dissipate because we're reordering our heart, we're reordering our mind, our affections, even our memory, through orienting it all, channeling it all to the heart of Christ. And so, he, with his infused grace, reaches down to the most base of our passions through, if we're in a state of grace, and elevates, elevates those 
passions through infused virtue to become something holy. He transforms that, not without our cooperation, but he does that. Paul's demand in his letter to the Romans to conform their lives in every aspect to this one all-encompassing offering of Christ is, is something that's proper to Catholicism. We don't see this in other religions. In other religions, our every thought, intention, word is not scrutinized. But here, because this offering has to be total, is complete, it means that all of this is part of the program. So notice the totality of his demand. Why? Because he's a jealous lover. He doesn't want to share our hearts with anyone else, with anything else. And so when he is the one who has claim on our every affection, doesn't mean we don't love others. It means that our love for others is now supernatural. It's elevated. It's attached to this one all-encompassing love for Christ. And so he, he is not at odds with the things we do, with the people who are in our lives, with our state in life, all of these things then rather are elevated and sanctified in as much as they serve his purposes and therefore serve our purposes. But this decision to make offering of oneself, just as this, this poor man who was possessed is offered to Christ, this has to be repeated over and over and over. We do it in our prayer, we do it in temptations, we do it throughout the day. That's why, it's, that's why we have the, the tradition of doing a morning offering so that I've got something to guide my every thought, word, and deed throughout the day. If we don't, if it is not something that is constant, our passions, thanks to our fallen nature, have a way of making claims on us. Our passions, unfettered, will also demand totality. And that's why we heard in the epistle that all of these things that Paul, these sins that Paul lists, are tantamount to idolatry. It's impossible to serve our passions and to serve Christ. And ultimately, the passions that we serve are appropriated by demons. There are demons for every sin, for every vice. And so, when we give ourselves over to our passions, we're actually giving ourselves over to the power of demons. And so this is not just an episodic anecdote that was a one-off that we, we hear in the gospel today. Actually, this is our story. We don't say poor guy. Because in him, this man who is restored to health, to grace, to deliverance, is our story. And it's, it's an ongoing story. Christ who frees us through grace. And so, because of the freedom he gave us in forgiveness, that should orient my future choices. And as a result, there is no place for neutrality. There is no spiritual Switzerland. We are for him or we're against him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.